Uh, we're in week three of a teaching series we called Chosen. Um, it's based out of season one of The Chosen. How many guys are, uh, have watched or you're currently watching season one of The Chosen? I, I hope you are, okay? I hope you are. Now look, we know, we know as a church that The Chosen doesn't, doesn't just kind of go and start at the beginning of Matthew and just walk its way through it, you know, verse by verse. We know that Jesus doesn't say every single word that's in the Bible. We're not, we're, The Chosen isn't trying to say it's a substitute to the Bible. The Chosen is like an artist, an artist taking the Bible and bringing the Bible to life. And my ultimate goal, of reason, the reason why I'm wanting to bring you back to season one, it's because there's three seasons to this, and I know an American culture likes to binge watch television shows. I know the first thing when I get introduced to a brand new television show is I want to know, is the whole season there or is it not? And sometimes I'll just wait until the whole season's there. That way when I, when I play that episode and they get that cliffhanger at the end, I can go immediately to the next, the next episode. Anybody with me? All right? And how many of you guys are like, oh, man, oh, I got to go to bed. I mean, it's like I got to get up in the morning. It's 1030. It's 11 o'clock at night. But they got that cliffhanger. I've got to watch the next episode. Come on, somebody. So why not binge watch Jesus? Why not? Why not? It's not going to hurt you. It's only going to help you. I'm telling you right now, if you'll take our challenge and you'll join us in watching season one, you get past episodes one and two. Episodes one and two. Um, they're like they're doing a lot of story building character development you get past those things and all of a sudden the whole thing starts to come alive and I guarantee you your insight of who Jesus is your excitement to know him and follow him more is going to radically increase your imagination right of of God's word coming alive as you read it that's what's going to happen that's what I want for your life so today Today I'm going to be using as my springboard season one, episode six, Jesus heals and cleanses the leper, okay? Now, for some of you who aren't familiar with the, a leper, all right, we're not talking about Jesus cleanses the, the spots off of a leopard. I want to be very clear with this, all right? Because if I get through this story and you thought the whole time I was talking about a leopard, we're going to be on two opposite pages, all right? We're talking about a man who's got a sickness, called leprosy, and Jesus heals him of this. Now, this story evidently was so impactful to the disciples that it ends up in, in, in these three books, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All three of them have the same story, kind of told from slightly different perspectives, of it, as if the three of us watched an accident happen, and we gave the report of that. We would each kind of have some individual things, but the bottom line is an accident happened or a healing happened. Same thing happens for the disciples as well. And so I, I love uh, Luke, number one. I mean, Luke is probably one of my favorite gospels, possibly one of my favorite books of the entire Bible. I just love his perspectives and how he kind of helps me understand who Jesus is. And so I chose to use Luke. So if you got a Bible, then um, you're kind of probably put a finger right there in Luke chapter 5. Uh, that's where we're going to kind of base today's message out of. Luke chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 12 through 15 and kind of give you the, the, the biblical picture of what goes down with Jesus as he heals and cleanses this leper. All right, here we go, Luke chapter 5. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with a, watch this, it's not just a normal case, an advanced case of leprosy. Okay, He's had this for a long time. 
When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. That's important, guys. you got to keep your finger there because you're going to want to hang on to that. If you are willing, you can heal me and you can make me clean. Verse 13, Jesus reached out and he touched him. He says, I am willing, he said. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. He said, go to the priests and let them examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. Now, you might think to yourself, like, well, man, look, if Jesus healed this guy, why wouldn't he want the world to know? Because, guys, this is so early in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is not at a point where he's really interested in really super large crowds gathering around him, right? He has just called the disciples. His investment into the disciples is one of his most important things because he knows in a couple of years he's going to hang on a cross and, the, and the, the disciples are going to carry on the message. He knows large crowds are coming, but this is not the moment that he wants those large crowds. But despite it, the power of Jesus, the healing that Jesus performed, starts spreading all over the place, and large crowds actually do start gathering. Well, look, leprosy. You might think to yourself, well, leprosy is just like a biblical time kind of a disease, but that's not the case at all. Okay, you can easily discover today that there are about 208,000 people on planet Earth right now with the disease called leprosy. Most of them are in Africa and in Asia. But about every, every single year in America, somewhere around 100 people get diagnosed with some form or level of leprosy here even in America. It's just you don't hear about it because it's curable now. Right? We've got the antibiotics, we've got the medicines, we know what to do, you know, and we can deal with it. Uh, but that wasn't the case back in Jesus' day. Back in Jesus' day, it was a death sentence. In fact, you would be considered part of the, the walking dead. You guys ever heard of the walking dead? All right. I never watched that, by the way. Um, I'm just not a big fan of the whole zombie thing, right? Um, I don't know why, I'm just not. So, Anyways, the walking dead is what you'd be considered. You'd be considered like part of the walking dead because leprosy would take somewhere in the neighborhood of 9 to 30 years to kill a person. Sometimes we think of these diseases like they just kind of infiltrate the, the, our, our life and then bam, a few months later we're gone. Leprosy wasn't that way. So all of a sudden you're found out to have a skin disease. They don't even know what the skin disease is. It could be leprosy. And now you're an outcast. You can no longer be a part of your family Right? And you're kicked out of the village, you're kicked out of the town, you're kicked you know, out of the community, kicked out of the camp, and you're forced to go live on your own. And many times, you know, these, these folks with leprosy, they would end up like at places where trash is dumped because they would be looking for food in some capacity. Like maybe there were some things that were leftovers that you threw away that I might be able to find. And so they're, they're outcasts, they're, they're thrown out there, and now they're slowly dying <clears throat> this death where the nervous system starts getting impacted, right? And then their muscles start, you know, uh, deteriorating and their hands start clawing up like this and the nervous system starts causing things to be, you know, they can't feel their finger and so they get cut or they get hurt or they get wounded and parts of their body, fingers, as an example, could fall off or the nose, part of the nose uh, could fall off or, you know, big sores would develop 
Even on their face, their, their hair many times would fall out. Their eyes would get glaucoma, right? They would start to lose their eyesight. It was this type of a slow death that would happen over the course of many, many years. And the whole time, they're isolated. The whole time, the whole time, they're kicked away from people, from family. Family members many times would even throw kind of funerals for family members that had leprosy before their actual death because they knew that once they were banished, once they were isolated from the community, they may never see them again. So they would throw funerals for the living knowing that they were the walking dead. Like, I don't know about you, but that is hopeless, right? And that's where you find this guy who's got this leprosy who's coming to Jesus. He's, do, he's dealing with isolation. I don't know about you, but man, people don't deal with isolation well. I just, I just read a report of a woman who purposely put herself about 280 feet down in a cave, somewhere down south, put herself in a cave, had a support team around her, didn't connect with anybody, didn't talk with anyone, didn't have any interaction with the outside world for 500 days. Like, I don't even know what status she's in, but she purposefully did that. No one purposefully, except for her and a few others that are scientifically discovering something, right, put themselves in purposeful isolation. We don't do well with it. When I say the word isolation, many of you are probably thinking the same thing I'm thinking right now, which is this, COVID. Think about COVID and in our isolation. How well did you do in your two weeks, two months, six months, your year of isolation, how well did you do, right? How mentally, uh, you know, messed up were you? How emotionally messed up were you? How physically messed up were we? Did you have to go out and buy larger pants too? <laughs> like isolation, we don't do well with it. And here are these, here's this guy in isolation because the law the law said he had to be in isolation. You go back to the book of Leviticus, chapter 13, verses, 45, or verses 45 through 46. It tells us why he is. It says, those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothes and leave their hair uncombed. Some of you actually like that part. All right? They must cover their mouths and call out, unclean, unclean. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean watch this they must live in isolation in their place outside of the camp so picture this right you're, you're walking out of the camp you're walking out of the village you're walking out of the town you're going to travel to another town for a vacation for a holiday for some kind of gathering and, and you have to walk nearby where there you know that there are some of those who have leprosy and all of a sudden, one of them crosses the trail in front of you. The one who has leprosy is supposed to be the one who yells out, unclean, unclean. Basically, here's what they're saying. Stay away from me. Don't get close to me. They were the untouchables. Can you imagine being untouchable? Some of you feel that way right now. It's unfortunate, but man, if you were actually alive in this time where Jesus walked the earth and you unfortunately got some kind of a skin disease that could be leprosy or not, you had to tell people, I'm untouchable. That means don't hug me. Don't reach out and support me. 
Stay away from me. In fact, guys, if you got within six feet of a person that was known to have leprosy, you were now ceremonially unclean, and now you had to go through a cleansing process before you could ever come back in to the town as well. And I think that's what makes this miracle so powerful. That's what makes this moment where this man with leprosy finds restoration, he finds healing, and he finds cleansing. Right? Because it took place early in the ministry of Jesus. At the current moment, in the early days of Jesus, this man with leprosy, he had never heard of Jesus healing anyone from leprosy. He had never heard that before. So here he is. This guy's going to, he's going to step out of his comfort zone, and he's going to come to Jesus, and he's going to be like, hey, heal me, Jesus. Heal me. Like, I know you can. Heal me. What a bold move that was. And then this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus breaks all of the rules, guys. He breaks all of the rules, and he touches this guy, and he heals him. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Jesus breaks all of man's rules. Because we know this, man might have his rules, but God has his way. Amen? So, in light of that, I want you to check out, just kind of visually see what we're talking about in this passage of Scripture about how Jesus heals and cleanses the man with leprosy. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 it's disease. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing. Seek your own honor. 
Please just tell me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go, show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Where's an extra tunic? Just one of you, just one of you. That's enough. Green is definitely your color. Oh. <laughs> Not too shabby. <laughs> what? Come on, isn't that good? Man. Wow. <clears throat> Holy cow. So the guy says, if you are willing. Now, I want you to understand, I'm going to talk about this, right, uh, here in a little bit. If you are willing, it's not a statement questioning whether he can heal. I'm going to help you understand that in a second. But Jesus turns around and he says, what back to the guy? I am willing. Guys, there's so much we can learn about Jesus in those, those few words. Those three words, I am willing, they open up our heart and they open up our mind to, the, to who Jesus really is. And, and the first thing that really kind of starts to move inside of me is that it shows us how Jesus was moved to compassion. That our God is a compassionate God. He saw the pain, he saw the suffering, and I am willing is a statement of I have compassion for you, my friend. Right? So what does Jesus do? He reaches out and he touches him. That word that Jesus reached out and he touched him, that word actually is, is more than just a touch. That's what I love about the way that the, the chosen uh, you know, went about this, because they actually took the word and they displayed it for what it really meant. It wasn't just a touch, it was to be attached to. That would be the original language. The original language would give us this depiction that Jesus attached himself to the man with leprosy. And isn't that exactly what he did? Jesus broke the six-foot rule, and he just wrapped his arms around the guy, and he embraced him, and he hugged him. I'm so glad they did that, because that's what the word actually depicts. We kind of see Jesus as this stoic figure who reaches out a hand and goes, be healed. But no, guys, the, no, the, the interpretation here would have been more of what you just witnessed. It would have been Jesus touching him and then embracing him and attaching himself to him and going, I'm with you in this, my friend. Right? I'm with you in this. I am willing. And I, I want you to understand this. This is so important to grasp. Jesus didn't just heal the guy. He cleansed the guy. Okay. Now, that's good to hear, but I guarantee you don't understand it. Look, there's a difference between healing and cleansing. So the guy could be healed, but in the law of that time, just because he was healed does not allow him to get back into the community. It doesn't. He doesn't get to walk back into the village because he doesn't have sores on his body anymore. No, in fact, when Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. Don't go tell anybody about me. I want you to go to the priest. I want you to bring the appropriate offering that the law of Moses talks about. Jesus was actually referring to the very next chapter I was looking at, Leviticus chapter 14. Jesus was referring to that chapter. 
Jesus was going back and he was saying, here's what you do if you've been healed of leprosy. You go and you let the priest know. The priest comes out of the camp. They come out of the community. <clears throat> they meet you out by the trash dump. They look at your body. They discover that there are no more sores on your body. Leprosy is gone. You've been healed of it. Now they go for the cleansing. You bring to them two birds. Okay? You bring to them two birds. The priest also gets you know, some, some branches. He kills the one bird in a, in a jar, or in a, in a bowl, I should say. He kills the bird, lets the blood of that bird be in the, in the, in the bowl. Then he takes the, the other bird that's still alive, and he dips it in the blood. Then he takes the branch, and he dips it in the blood, and he sprinkles it on the man who's been healed of leprosy to cleanse him, and he does that seven times. Then after the seven times, he lets the live bird go, and he tells the man, now go wash your clothes and wash yourself in the water. The priests knew, based on God's law to Moses, that there was both blood and water that was needed for the cleansing. You could be healed, but there was going to need blood and water for the cleansing. What does that sound like? That sounds like our sin. For my sin to be forgiven, my sin is just like leprosy. Your sin it was, is just like leprosy. Right? It's one thing to be healed of it, but we have to be cleansed of it. 1 John 1, verse 7, let me just read it to you. It's not going to be on the screens. It says this, that if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then watch this, then the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sin. And then when we are cleansed from our sin, when we walk into relationship with Jesus Christ and we're cleansed of our sin, what's the very next thing we're instructed in the New Testament to go do? Get baptized. Cleansed by the blood of Christ. Then we go wash ourselves in the waters of baptism. Just like, just like a man who had leprosy in the day that Jesus walked the earth, cleansed by the blood, sprinkling it on him, and then cleansed by the washing of himself in the water. That's the very same thing for you and me. So leprosy is just like our sin. Leprosy back then, it would have started with like a little sore on the, on the flesh. Right, just like sin. Sin starts as something that's small and it seems so fun and it seems somewhat kind of like it's, it's got adrenaline to it. And uh, you know, although you know it's wrong, you, you got away with it and there's something about that that's enticing and it draws you back. And what was a little sore now develops into something that starts to corrupt the heart and it starts to corrupt the mind and it starts to corrupt the emotions. And that's exactly what leprosy did. It spread from one little spot until it, until it grew and it covered the whole body. And James in chapter 1, he says to us about sin, he goes, look, as sin runs its course, sin leads to death. That's exactly what happens with leprosy. When leprosy runs its course 9, 30 years down the road, it leads to death. Unless a person is both healed and the person is cleansed. So what does the compassion of Jesus show us? What does it lead us to do? It shows us this, that the compassion of Jesus, he loved the untouchable, and so should we. Jesus loved the outcast, and so should we. Jesus loved the sinner, and so should we. But you know what our... Some of our natural human instinct is, was to be like the disciple John. That when the outcast, when the sinner, when someone that's different than us comes around, what do we do? We pull out the knife and we're like, back up, man. Just back up. There's John. John pulls out the knife, right? And he's like, come on. Like, you don't come any closer. 
man with leprosy, don't make me, man. Like, he goes all gangster on him, right? Like, I'll cut you, man. I'll, I'll slit you, man. I'll, you know, and he's like flashing gang signs, and Jesus is like, hey, chill out, man. You're new to the gang. You don't even know our gang signs yet, <laughs> right? Our, our gang signs, they look like a heart. We do this. That's what we do, All right? We don't pull knives, okay? We don't have any finger stuff. Like, we just, we do the heart thing. That's what we do, and we hug. That's our gang sign, right? And John didn't know that, man. He pulls the knife. But guys, this is like us. We do this often, even in church as Christians, we, we pull the knife on sinners. We're like, man, you, you smell, you stink. Like, your life is so, so outside of God's word. And we're kind of like, we, we push them away. People that look different than us, we push them away. People that even have different skin colors or different, different ethnicities, we push them away. This is not what Jesus was modeling for us. Jesus didn't push away the sinner or the outcast, the person that, you know, was visually displaying, you know, their sickness. Jesus, Jesus didn't push them away. He didn't attack them. In fact, Jesus showed us how to be compassionate, how to love, and watch how to get close enough so that the cleansing could take place. The cleansing of the man was not taking place with Jesus maintaining the six-feet distance. The cleansing of the man required Jesus to get close to him and to hug him and to embrace him. And here's the truth. Cleansing doesn't happen to the outsiders. Cleansing doesn't happen to those who are the sinners of our community by us staying a distant from them. That's not how cleansing happens. Cleansing happens by when you go and you get close to people and you embrace them, you attach yourself to them, and you walk with people out of their junk into the life. Right? Out of the darkness into the light. Just like Jesus did with the leper, that's what Jesus is calling us to do. No one gets healthy. No one gets cleansed on their own. They need someone to attach to them, and they need somebody to walk with them and walk them in wholeness and health and cleansing back into community with God's people in God's church. And by the way, by the way, that's what you had to do. I think we forget often what it was like to walk through the doors of the church that we call home. I want you to picture with me. Today, there's somebody listening to my voice. This is your first time here. This might be a picture of you, but for all of us, it was a picture of us at one point or another, right? Here's what it was like when you walked through these doors for the very first time, right? You haven't been to church for a long time, so you, you decide, I'm going to go to church today. Your life's hurting, and it's difficult, and it's messed up and screwed up in some ways, and you just don't know what to do, and you're desperate, right, but you don't know where to turn, and so you walk through the doors of a church. You're, you're, you're wondering if you'll be accepted when you walk through. You don't really even remember, like, what do I wear? How do I act? What do I do? You don't know the words to the songs. You're staring at the screen. You're sitting through the service. You've, you realize, I didn't bring a Bible. Now you're hoping that the people next to you don't have one, so you don't look out of place. And if you do have a Bible and you're trying to find Luke chapter 15, you're still trying to find Luke chapter 15, and you're tired of the pages flipping and you're embarrassed, so you just close the Bible, or you pretend you already have that place, and you came in late, okay, and you sat in the back and you're hoping to leave early before anyone can talk to you, you know that you need God, but you're just not sure if he wants you and this church wants you. That's what it was like to walk through the doors for the very first time. This has been your story. It's been the story of many over the years. New Life has been a church for the hurting. New Life has been referred to many, many times by many, many different people as a hospital 
New Life more recently has been referred to as a safe place, a place where you can come just as you are, but a place where you come as you are, and we meet you where you are, and we love you where you are, but we love you too much to leave you there. We walk with you. We, in, we attach ourselves to you. We embrace you, and we walk with you to help you be the very best version that Jesus created you to be. Amen? That's who we are. So don't pull knives on people. Don't do that. Don't make Jesus go, put the knife away. Don't make him do that, right? If Jesus attaches himself to people, we attach ourselves to people. And we do this in all kinds of ways. There's a group that meets here on Wednesday nights down at the Kearney campus, down in our conference room. Stan and Cynthia Smith, they lead the group, but it's for people dealing with addictions. I love that group. I love that group. I love the fact that that's one group of many, by the way, that you can go to where you can walk in the doors just as you are, and people are going to love you right there, but they're going to love you so much that they're going to walk with you. They're going to attach themselves to you and help you become all that God wants for you to be. I don't know about you, but I want to be a church that has more groups like that. Right? Are you with me? That's who we want to be. Come on. Let's walk with people. Let's help people. Wow, man, this is amazing. But watch this. The leper did something unique. He came to Jesus alone. You know one of the things that I don't see happening at church is people coming alone. It's rare. I'm talking about someone who's never been here before. right? It's rare that a person would come alone. That's a person that's got a lot of strength. Most people need someone else to come with. So here's here's what you need to do. That's why you need to invite people. We invite people because nobody wants to come alone. Everybody wants to be a part of something with others. I am willing. That's part of what it shows us. I am willing that Jesus is compassionate. But the other thing it shows us is that Jesus displayed his authority and his power. See, that's what the leper knew. The leper knew something. The leper knew Jesus had the authority and he had the power to heal him and to cleanse him. Remember what the leper said? If you are willing... And I love the next words, you can heal me and make me clean. He knew outright, if you're willing, if you're willing to do what? If you're willing to display your authority and power. I know you have it, Jesus, but are you willing? Meaning, is this the time? Is this the right moment? Right? Is this it? I'm coming to you, and I'm just asking you, are you willing? I know you can. You have the authority. You have the power, but are you willing? Right? And we know this about Jesus. Jesus has the authority over sickness and disease. We know this, right? Because of this healing and many others, right? We know that Jesus has the authority over his creation. We know that Jesus has authority over hell, over the demons, over Satan. We know that. We know that Revelation tells us that Jesus holds the keys to death and to hell. We see examples of Jesus in in the Gospels where he has authority over demons. He tells them where to go and what to do, right? He is the Lord of all, right? We know this about Jesus. We know that Jesus cast Lucifer out of heaven. The Bible talks to us about it. And we know that Revelation tells us that Jesus will one day put Lucifer, Satan, back into the pit of hell where he will no longer be able to torment or torture you know, any, any uh, human being ever again, right? We know this. You never have to worry about the authority of Jesus. The authority of Jesus should never be questioned by you and me. Man might think he has, you know, the complete authority. But Jesus, our God, the one who created all things and created man, he holds the ultimate authority. And that's why this leper says to Jesus, you can heal me. 
You can heal me. Let me just remind you of it, right? Let's go back to Luke chapter 5, where you're holding that spot in your Bible, uh, 12. Let's look at verse 13. Jesus reached out and he touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly leprosy disappeared. The report of his power spread. He couldn't keep it contained. It just started to spread. Jesus, my friends, has the ultimate authority and the ultimate power. And I want you to know today that Jesus is here today. And he's saying this to you and he's saying it to me. I am willing. Just like he said to the leper, he's saying to you and me, I am willing. So this is what I want you to know about Jesus today. Jesus is here and he's saying that he is willing to heal you today. He is willing to provide for you today. He is willing to help restore that marriage. He is willing to come alongside you while you're asking your deep theological and spiritual questions, trying to discern, is he who he said he is? He's willing. He wants to. He wants to display his authority. He wants to display his power in your life today. Jesus is just simply looking for this. He's looking for your dependency on him. He's looking for you to have an absolute faith in him and to acknowledge his authority and his power. Basically, Jesus is looking for you to have the kind of faith that says to him, are you willing? If you're willing. That's all Jesus wants us to do. That's how he wants us to come to him. See, healing and the provision that comes from God, is, it comes from his hands and it comes in his timing. And the compassion of Jesus should never be questioned. If we come to him and we say, if you're willing, the compassion of Jesus should never be questioned. If he doesn't move then, it doesn't mean that he lacks compassion for you. It's that if you're willing also speaks to his timing. But if you're willing says something bold. It says this, I know you have the authority. I know you have the power. If you're willing, I know you can heal me. I know you can provide for me. I know you can heal my marriage. I, I know you can heal my emotions. I know you can heal my mind. I know you can do it, God. But if you're willing, it's all about him and his timing. See, you and me, we don't control God's power, and we, we don't control his timing. Here, our role is this, to, to acknowledge his authority and power. That's our role. I want you to know that Jesus, he heals the leper so that you and me might have the faith to also come to him with that same simple faith that the leper did and just simply say, if you're willing. Some of you today, you need, you need the touch of God in your life. At all of our campuses, you need the touch of God. You need a healing in your life. You need provision. You need restoration of your emotions or your mind. You need, you need a healing of a marriage. You, you, need, you need God to move in some powerful way. And I, I just want you to know that Jesus is looking for you and me just to simply say, if you're willing. So at all of our campuses, I'm going to pray and wrap this, service, wrap this sermon up. But as I pray at all of our campuses, we've got people that are coming to the altar to pray for you. And at the end of my prayer, when I say amen, if you need prayer, I need you to move. And I need you to move then. Like, don't wait. Don't wait for more songs to come. Right? We've set up in all of our auditoriums, the audio is going to be down lower than normal. So that when you come, you can pray and you can engage with people. The rest of us, 
that, that maybe don't need prayer today, we're, gonna, we're just going to worship and we're going to engage in this. And we're going to sing to and declare the authority and the power of our Lord and Savior Jesus. But if you need prayer, when I say amen, you move. And if you're online today, right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to click the request prayer button and you will get connected with somebody for one-on-one prayer right now. So let's do this, okay? Let's stand and with faith in our heart, let's come to the Lord with this one statement of faith. If you're willing, I know you have the authority and the power. If you're willing, I know you can heal me. And let's make a move to God today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your authority. Thank you for your power. Lord, thank you for your spirit that's at work, even in times and ways that we don't, even, we don't see it and we don't know it, but you're always at work. And Lord, just like your course of action got interrupted by that man of, with leprosy, and compassion flowed from your heart, and your power and your authority was put on display, May that same compassion be felt in our auditoriums today. And may your power and authority be put on display. Lord, for those who are in need of healing, provision, Lord, a touch from, from the hand of God in their life. Lord, for anything, it doesn't matter what it is, Lord, you are here. And you're going, you're saying back to this congregation, I am willing. Lord, thank you for a heart that says I am willing to move to move on your behalf, to see your kingdom come in our lives, to see your glory put on display in our lives. Lord, may you move and have your power and authority done in our midst. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.